0: Well, are you preparing like you're going to play this year or is it potential red shirt uh, or? Yeah, we'll decide later. later uh-huh. We'll play again in Montreal and then we'll have a little bit of downtime and then we'll get pick up practice and get workouts, all that stuff. So I mean, we, get, we got a lot of time to figure out, see how things play out. This is the Buy, and Play, Play podcast, the die-hard Duke basketball fans podcast. One in one since we last got together, we knew that Coach K was going to redesign this team. He came out with a completely different starting lineup. We saw some changes that are quite notable. We'll clearly touch on those. But let's start at the top. AC, you had to have some mixed feelings. Watching that game, considering it was your Hokies <laughs> versus my Blue Devils. <laughs> Why does it have to be mine versus
1: yours in this case? Not fair. No, it's 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 that's always a hard game for me to watch. I had trouble watching that game. Quite honestly, I really didn't like. I, I was not paying attention the way I probably should have until kind of the end, just because it was close and it was an, and it was an intriguing game. Obviously, it was a very good game. Both teams played well down the stretch. It wasn't like any team played badly. They played well down the stretch. It was just a, a hotly contested contest, and you know Virginia Tech came out on top at home. They they were they were ahead of Duke in terms of just how the, their readiness their readiness factor was a lot higher because they've been playing without Justin Robinson for longer, and they've been playing with the rotation that they have for longer than Duke has. I mean, Duke's almost throwing out a different team every game. It seems like now to try to figure out what it is they want to do. So. It's it, it's tough. It's it's you know, it's it, that's it's not a good litmus test game because you have a, a top 20 team at home playing playing against a team that, you know, has lost one of the lost their best their best one A player to one B and, you know, and, and they're scrambling to, to find a rotation before the tournament. So not not a good scenario to go into. And not to mention, this is the end of that, you know, long stretch that we talked about it was going to be so difficult for Duke. And you know they came out of it four and two, so that's that's very promising. I think with this team, especially with you know, facing injuries and things like that here and there throughout.
0: Yeah, and they mentioned it on the telecast last night. It was the hardest stretch of any team in the nation. Mm-hmm. We were able to come out of it four and two, which you know is not ideal, especially it's never ideal to lose to Carolina. Yeah. It you know, it was our third game in seven days, second back to back. Uh, Saturday, Tuesday road scenario that we had to face. Mm-hmm. None of them were cupcakes. And, you know, we, we, we had a situation where we're in Virginia Tech, a place that historically we always have problems playing. We talked about how, you know, it's not the easiest gym to shoot in. We went 7 of 21 from three. I don't think that we settled for threes. I don't think that that was really our issue. Yeah, no. <laughs> they didn't They didn't shoot great either. You know, I think they were what eight of twenty six. They just had yeah. the biggest one of the night. I thought, and I'd like to get your take on this. I thought our defense was very inconsistent. I thought out on the perimeter, we did a great job, in you know, keeping them into late shot clock situations. Mm-hmm. However, you know, they got a lot of easy looks at the rim, and obviously, Blackshear played amazing.
1: Yeah, they're a hard Tech is a hard team to defend, and just have, haven't watched them throughout the year. When Justin Robinson went out, they changed dramatically. They went from a team that was going to push the pace and score almost 80 points, if not 80 points on you, you know, in, in a heartbeat to slow it down and let's force NC State to score 24 and we'll score 46 and win the game. That's kind of the team that they became. They they slowed things way down in order to you know in order to compensate a little bit for just some shortcomings that they had against bigger teams in terms of rebounding, things like that. You know that that's kind of the way Buzz went with it. And last night it seemed to really bother Duke to for them to slow it down as much as they did at times. It didn't when R.J. Barrett got going, then the slowdown really wasn't a factor anymore. And actually, you saw the game speed up a lot. But prior to that moment, it was pretty much Cam Reddish only that you know that that was difficult to to contend with. They're a difficult team to to defend because they do. They're actually kind of used to playing late shot clock. And even though and, and I think Duke forced them to take shots that they didn't like in certain spots, more so than force them to take late shots. And and some of the shots were rushed that they did have to take because they weren't able to set up into their – what they normally would do, which is you know good on Duke for being able to do that. It's just – it's so hard to defend for 30 seconds in, in a clock. Like, that's just not easy. Like And, and generally, most possessions, you're used to, to defending 17, 18, 19 seconds so when you have to defend an extra 13 seconds on top of that, that's, that is, is, it's more difficult than it sounds, a lot more difficult than it sounds. And, and at times, as you mentioned, they were inconsistent. And at times, they, did not, they didn't handle it well. Uh, between foul trouble and other things, they didn't handle it very well. And when you have a weapon like Kerry Blackshear, you know he, he's a legitimate scorer, he's a legitimate post-presence, something you don't see every day, which is also hard to defend against when not every single team has that type of guy. So now it's something different you're taking a look at. So it's tough. They're a tough team to defend and you know, they, they did a great job at home to, to win that game.
0: There was a lot of criticisms criticism after the game for a couple of different things. But I want to touch first on, you know, I thought that Trey looked mentally tired. Um, mm-hmm. unfortunately we've come to expect Pam to make some of these freshman turnovers. But I thought Trey's turnovers and he was only labeled, I believe, for three of them. But they were kind of inexcusable and not like Trey, to me. They were yeah. in terrible positions on the floor. They led to easy baskets or fouls on the other end, which led to points. And you take any of those away, and you feel like we have a chance to win the game. And, mm-hmm. and you can play the if game however you want, no matter what side of the debate you're on. It's just unlike Trey. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, in the last of the six-game stretch here, here, is he just worn out? And He played it on 40 minutes you know, Trey or uh, Kane tried to take him off the ball, you know, in the second half Mm -hmm. in terms of of offensively. He couldn't make a shot. I just feel like he might be overwhelmed right now. And this kind of quote unquote break where we're going to be at least home in our own bed for two or three weeks is going to really help him out more than anybody.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's he's being asked to be a third scorer right now, which that's not him. That wasn't him coming in. That's not what he was recruited for, and that's what he's being asked to do due to injury and other guys not being able to step up into that role. I think that's why it's so important for Kade to find whoever this next scorer is going to be, whether it's going to be Alex, whether it's going to be Joey, whether it's going to be a combination of a couple of guys, maybe three guys essentially become the fourth scorer in different varieties. Maybe maybe Joey and Alex hit a couple threes here, there, and quise gets a couple shots down low. Maybe that's what constitutes a fourth score. you know what I'm saying? Cause There has to be points manufactured somewhere, and right now Trey is being forced to do that, and that's not what he does at all, and that's clearly affected his floor game. And earlier in the season, when he was getting the points he got or everything else on top of what he was getting in terms of assists and not turning the ball over, it's because we had three and four guys on the floor who at any time he could pass the ball to someone, and he was the fifth option. He truly was the fifth option scoring 11 points a game. So that that's how good this team was, and that's what their ceiling is going into the tournament. That's why I'm really not worried, especially when Cyan comes back, this team will get right back to where they were. The the problem is right now, it's it's he is being forced to be a scorer, and that's not what he does yet. He's not that type of guy it who knows in his career if that ever happens for him. But at the moment he's not. I mean, he he you know, he he makes one three pointer a game, shoots six a game. And he doesn't want to shoot those shots. Like everybody's pissed off at yeah. him for shooting these shots. He doesn't want to shoot them either. But those are the shots that he's being asked to shoot, and he's he's doing exactly what Kay has asked him to do. Trey, spot up in this corner. The ball swings to you. Take the shot. Have faith. Have confidence. and know exactly what he's saying to him in practice because he keeps doing it. Like, and and that's fine. Like that's not his fault. Like he's doing what's asked of him, and it's it's taking its toll on his floor game at the moment. I think once things again, once they calm down, once he's able to to do what he normally does once we get back into the normal quick hitters that we've practiced all season then i I think he gets back to normal i think he gets back to the guy that we saw before and that we love so much because right now people are calling for his head people are saying he shouldn't even be the point guard at this point it's like come on man chill out like and then rj Barrett is going to take some pressure off because he's going to do what justice did for tyus where you know k wanted justice to be a point guard at times and finally justice took that role on towards the end of the season and and the, the same thing kind of happened for Tyus. Tyus was able to to get off the ball a little bit. It helped him mentally, and he was able to to get to do some other things, you know, very successfully. And I think we're going to see the same thing thing for Trey as RJ gets to handle the ball a little bit more and and set his guys up a little better.
0: Yeah, people forget that Tyus went through a you know slump of his own, mm-hmm. and he looked like he was mentally worn down, and it's very absolutely you understand that. It is a shame
1: his Um, happened just earlier in the season than Trey's did, but they still had the same slump.
0: Yeah, it it was in January versus, Mm -hmm. you know, end of February, but the stretches were similar. And, you know, Trey will be fine. I think he does need to to rest here mentally. I Mm -hmm. think physically he's probably fine, but that's not going to hurt either. Um, I do want to touch, before we move on to the Syracuse uh, topic, I thought Jack White actually played pretty well in this game. I know he's obviously gotten a lot of heat. He had a few mistakes in this game, but I thought that it didn't affect his hustle. I thought the first two threes that he threw up were within rhythm, and they were clean releases. I thought that, you know, he whatever message was sent to him, it seemed to me that it was received. And he came out there with a sense of purpose. He didn't get a whole lot of minutes uh, there in the second half Right. You know, Alex comes in. But I'm at least encouraged from what I saw. Because truthfully, I wasn't sure if he was going to play or not in that game either because mm-hmm. I, was, I was 50-50 on whether, you know what, if Tate if can't trust you because you can't trust yourself or you don't have faith in yourself, then we can't put you out there. Yeah. I'm glad that he put him in, mm-hmm. and I thought he put, played uh, you know very strong. For the most part, he had a couple, yep. like I said, but that, the, the one turnover that he had immediately went down to a, to a run out. He hustled back against what would have been the play of the game for us. You know, that block that led to a Duke basket. Yeah. And that was the Jack that I wanted to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. We it's, we texted about it before the game. We were like, what do you think? Do you think Jack plays tonight? And, and yeah, I, I had a feeling he would because Kay's really good about how he sends messages. I mean, again, master psychologist, we know that same story. But he he's not the type to to you know bench a kid, especially after you know all season praising him so much. And he's going through a tough stretch. He's not going through a stretch like 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 he can't play basketball. He's going through a mental block issue. And and Kate was going to he was going to send whatever message he needed to send to him, give him rest, whatever it is that he needed. And then he was going to put him back and and see how he does from there. And he at the very least he responded with activity, which is exactly what made Jack White Jack White on top of hitting. Two or three threes a game—that was the difference. Like, the only difference is nine points. So, you know, it, it's a it's a crucial nine points now in this stretch of the season. But you know, back then, really his biggest his biggest thing that he gave Duke was his activity and the way he played defense and the way he rebounded, which it's look it looked like he brought some of that that fire and intensity back this game, which is nice to see. So, hopefully, moving forward, you know that that's something that you know that that we see him be able to sustain because that's, that's what we're going to need. We're going to need, need that hustle. The scoring will take care of itself when it needs to the, the rest of it, the, the, the 50, 50 balls and things like that is what we're going to need. And he's the type of guy to get through those.
0: Yeah. So let's hope that if we can take you know positive from that game, that it was something that Jack White was able to hopefully find mm-hmm. and, and see if that is kind of the spark that he needs to, to go through in the stretch run here. Which we're clearly in. All right, let's turn it over now to the next play. Next play. The Syracuse game. This is the one that that most people were thinking about. How would Duke respond after losing Zion Williamson within the first thirty seconds against Carolina? Mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett just said, "Don't worry about anything, fellas. Hop on, <laughs> and and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this one over from the start."
1: Yeah, that the dude is he's a monster and. You know, we've our last podcast, we had our, our our session hyping up RJ as if he needs to be hyped up for whatever reason. But the guy's just amazing. And the Syracuse game was amazing for him individually and Alex O'Connell as well. It's funny, that game, I, I feel almost worse about that game than I did about the Tech game. The, you know, the Tech game was a loss, but I feel the team was in a better direction than I thought that they were after Syracuse. Because it just... Without RJ, the team would have been completely demolished against Syracuse. Whereas against Virginia Tech, it was it was at least you know other than Cam's first half, it was at least a a decent team effort all around. Syracuse was just again we just did not handle that zone well. On top of RJ and Alex shooting the ball, it was it it wasn't you know still didn't handle the rebounding well against the zone. Still didn't stop them from getting a lot of their penetration to the interior players that they like to get. So you know it was it was definitely. It, it, was, it was a good thing that RJ, RJ doesn't read the message boards in and Twitter and, and does understand that he's an incredible player, and, and he did a phenomenal job that game.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that really irritated me watching that Syracuse game, and it was a tough game to watch, was how many offensive rebounds he continued to give up. Yep. And one of my keys going into Virginia Tech game, after watching that performance, was just how many offensive rebounds this team seems to be giving up. We did it against Carolina. We gave up nineteen against Keughts. And some I mean, some of them I understand are long rebounds. But a lot of it that that is effort, we gotta come out. We gotta just get an ass into the body and, and take a little bit more ownership here. And mm-hmm. you're right, you know, Pam wasn't wasn't great. Trey didn't have his best stuff. Jack didn't even play. And you know, we relied heavily on R. J. who was just flat out sensational with thirty-seven, thirty yeah. points and seven-seven dimes and five boards. And then obviously Alex O'Connell, like if he could play against Syracuse every game, he would be lights out. Yeah, you know that yeah. that just seems to be the team that that he enjoys playing against. But if those two aren't you know hitting, <laughs> we're, right. we're in trouble. We're in trouble, like you said. What were some of the things defensively? outside of the, the rebounds that you saw that we could improve or you, you would hope to have us improve going forward with the current lineup, you know, without Zion?
1: Well, uh, yeah, outside of Zion, we need somebody else who's going to to be able to help erase, erase mistakes. And every team needs that. Like, people act like Duke is the only team that, you know, Zion, Zion Williamson, the only thing he does for Duke is erase mistakes. That's not the case. You know, I've, I've, he's been called a Band-Aid. He's been called everything else, you know, the, and he does. He does mask some errors that this team makes by his, you know, sensational plays and his ability to be able to recover and read plays. You know, that that's something that's really underrated about his game is how well he reads a play. But, he, yeah, it's Duke needs someone else to be able to do that. And, and the the thing is, I think quise it, it's been made such a big deal about how and he only played 10 minutes in that game but he was great for the 10 minutes he played at the end of the game but it's been said so much about how quise you know can is able to switch off on guys on the perimeter and guard them for two or three steps but the one thing i think because he does get drawn out to the outside so much he's not in a great position to be able to help down low and and defend the paint which is you know something early in the season we saw against auburn he was really able to do he hasn't done that great you know in this in this last stretch really he hasn't really defended the paint as well as as expected from someone his size and with the wingspan that he has in his ability to block shots because he's being drawn out so far and being drawn out of position and i think teams are starting to use that honestly as uh, as as a scouting tool really is because he does switch so willingly on the perimeter they're now doing that to him and now there's no one in the paint to to erase mistakes because zion's out so I, I think that the the biggest thing i would like to see before he comes back and then when he comes back, is someone else helping Zion on offside defense a little better? Because that, that's something right now that's really killing us. It killed us against UNC. It's killing us against Syracuse and, and hurt us in, at times against Tech when you need it stops.
0: Yeah, so you're perfectly right there. He creates more than just offensively. You know, He is the key defensively for this team. Mm-hmm. And you know as great as Trey is on the ball, you know having the, the wherewithal to know that is behind you, protecting a lot of that stuff, probably gives him a lot more confidence. But let me show uh, a few numbers. In the first, I don't know if you saw this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with that. But in the last three games without Zion versus the first 25 games with him, turnovers forced 16 with him, 9.3 without him, points mm-hmm. off turnovers per game. with him, 8.7 without him. Points in the paint, this is obvious. 43.5 with him, 28 without him. Opponents points in the paint, 30 with him, 39.3 without him. I know that you've probably already seen stats like that, but to me, I don't think there's any question that he changes both ends tremendously. And I feel like those stats prove it. Are they taken out of context? No, no, they absolutely
1: prove what he does uh, and help. And and for years, K has played, you know, help help style man defense, and he's played it with worse teams. We've talked about this before. And the the teams that were the most successful when he played this way were the Battier teams because Battier was able to do what Zion does on defense in terms of help defense. He, you know, probably the greatest help defender that we'll ever see is Shane Battier. Then you had Sheldon Williams who. You know, just just behind Shane is Sheldon Williams because of the way he erased, you know, buckets in the paint. He got a triple double off blocks for God's sakes, and 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 then occasionally, and then even Shav Randolph with the with the the Sheldon team, Shav was a great shot blocker. And and then you move on in time, and you know, sporadically Duke has had a team that has you know Mason a Plumley or somebody like that who's a decent a decent low post defender who can erase can erase the mistakes of playing overplay on the perimeter and And somebody getting behind you back door. and Zion does that. and And, as I mentioned, Quies was able to do that before, and it worked out even when Zion wasn't in the game or you know, if he was on the bench or whatever else, Quies was able to step in and and take on that. But anymore, it seems that whoever Quies is guarding is going out setting picks on the perimeter to create a switch and And now Quies is out of position. and He's not able to help down low. So then there's nobody else. There's nobody else right. there to to help in that in that help position. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses Go, moving forward. The next couple of games are good games for the bench guys to really gain some confidence, and I think that's what they need because this, this stretch was just so tough to try to introduce some of these new players. So now they have two kind of – I won't say easy games. Just, there's, you know Nobody wants to hear an easy game, but they're easier considering, and they're at home. So that I think that's going to be helpful, and it'll be a, a good test to see where this team is you know, mentally and physically heading into the ACC tournament.
0: Sure. And just to close out the keys game, the uh, shot three ball fake by RJ was absolutely cold-blooded. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that, that was <laughs> unbelievable. You, you know, I, I remember you know you texting about that. She's saying he's just built differently, and it's yes. absolutely true. I thought uh, the pass down to Golden uh, at the very end uh, for him to finish that and flush it home. Mm-hmm. Golden had a tremendous last six minutes. Yep, and then um, you know, obviously, uh, Alex was able to you know play his best game of the year, so that was huge. But let's talk about the elephant in the room so far here, let's play. and it is the I don't I don't care how you want to how you want to uh, phrase this one, burning of the red shirt for Joey Baker. I I personally don't know where I stand on this. I I do know that if he was never going to stay five years, then go for it. I guess technically they never said he was redshirting, so right. we'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But really, let's, let's be honest with ourselves here. Nobody expected this. Uh, when we said that he was going to redesign and rebuild his team, I didn't foresee that me and Joey Baker come off the redshirt or, or they take that option away, right. which is really the better way to phrase it. But then, you know, he only gets five minutes against Syracuse. Uh, picks up a few fouls, misses his only shot, grabs a couple boards, and then against Virginia Tech, he plays one minute, air balls his only shot, and that's it. So, you know, my feeling is, and, and obviously, like you said, we have a couple, you know, pretty manageable games coming up here at home where, you know, if you'd like to get him more comfortable, I, I, I didn't want you to force him in there at the expense of winning. But at the same time, if you're going to use this option up then you need to let him get comfortable because otherwise it's just a stupid stupid move that's the way i look at it yeah i don't like it i don't like it and and
1: knowing just from the past and and every season is different but Kay still has tendencies and knowing his tendencies he he likes his rotation and he needs to have a rotation yeah. by at least by the incident, the ACC tournament, he'll even use early games in the ACC tournament to help build something different if he needs to, or help at least build on something that he's already established. So if Joey isn't playing by then, then I don't think he's going to be playing because he's just, he needs some time on the floor to, to, to understand, you know, his, his own self within the game and he's not getting that. So hopefully these next couple of games, he gets that option. But the thing is, who who does he replace because if jack white is back and if he's going to keep getting his minutes then he's not replacing jack. He, you know, Javin is clearly not being replaced even though quite honestly I, I I really feel like this season the the Javin experience is is, is about over it, just in my opinion. Again, my opinion and you know, the kid works hard. I don't want to detract from how hard he works and who he is as a person and all those other things that you're going to hear, you know, in interviews and everything about him. But the guy just he at this point, he's just not adding anything to the team that Quees doesn't give us, and that Jack would give us if he is going to play. So you know, it, it's you know, does Joey get some of his minutes? Maybe I don't know, but you know, it's he—he's not on the floor because Zion's not going to play ever again. He's not on the floor because Zion's knee is worse than we've ever seen. Like that's like it's some of those things that are being thrown out there. That's not why it happened. It—it it happened because he showed a fire and resolve during and after louisville and even other games and and he when he went to the staff and mentioned you know i i'm here to help Um, i want to help this team and i think that i can and and he had some good practices as kay mentioned and the the rest is history when it comes to his his red shirt so you know he's you know what who's, I'm not worried about his red shirt and I'm not worried about his fifth year and everything else like that. In, in five years, another kid like Joey's going to come along and we're going to recruit that guy and he's going to commit to Duke and he's going to play for Duke. Like that's fine. Like whatever with that, his fifth year, you know, I could care less about five years down the road, who knows what's going to happen by then. But you know, really th- my biggest thing is if, now that he's been placed in the game and things like that, so let's see what he can do. the kid if he's having these good practices and he has this fire and everything else, all this lip service that's being given to us about these intangibles that he's giving, then let's see it. I want to see it that's that's the part that's annoying me the most is you know all these great things are happening for him. Let's see it then and see if 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 this is something that that he's going to offer the team because at this point the ACC regular season title is done. So now the next couple of games can be used for building this rotation that's going to happen going into, into the tournament.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I agree. If, if you're going to do it, you might as well play him. And right. there's, really, there's really not a whole lot for us to dissect here. We're not at practice. We don't know what's happening. Uh, if he actually, you know, if he did indeed go to the staff and say, you know, put me in, coach. Like I'm ready to go. I, I know I can do this. I'm okay with the five minutes that he got. As Syracuse, that was a game we couldn't afford to lose. Yep. I'm okay with the one minute he got at Virginia Tech, truthfully I am. I think that I could have potentially, you know, found him a couple spots, like you said, for, for Javin. I especially when Javin went out with, uh, with the apparent uh, ankle injury. I think that, you know, my personal opinion, and I, I said this a couple weeks ago, and had you talked me off the ledge with Javin, but you know, there has to be some sort of reason and it, it's not Zion that Joey's going to be taken off a red shirt or be inserted into the lineup. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, we're going to find out exactly, We don't need to, you know, figure out what's going on in case Have We have to see in the next two games, is Joey Baker going to be anything for this team this season? Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on from that, and let's go into the, the next pillar. Next play. What is the rotation going to be going forward? And my opinion on this, because I'll pick this off, mm-hmm. is it hasn't changed in my opinion. My opinion hasn't changed. Kay still has the eight guys that he trusts. We know who those eight guys are. Mm-hmm. And I understand the spot duty for Jordan Goldwire. But can Baker even become that ninth guy that even sniffs the, the floor? I don't know. Because I believe Alex showed enough in the two games against Syracuse and Virginia Tech that he can be counted on, at least from a shooting perspective, mm-hmm. because he still leaves a lot left to be desired of defensively. He made a lot of mistakes defensively in the second half, which were to the point where I almost thought that they should have brought Jack back in because – the last thing Virginia Tech was doing is letting Alex get any sort of breathing room. And Alex, he's a player that can create for himself. So if he's not going to give you anything offensively, at least Jack is a better defender. So I couldn't have at yep. least understood him bringing Jack in. But I believe the eight is set. I believe it's the same eight. And Joey's going to have a minimum one game, possibly two. Uh, without Zion, there where he can at least get a couple minutes without the big fella being out there. But I don't know, man. I think the eight man rotation is there, unless there's spot minutes for a Goldwire or a Baker.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and we we've seen Goldwire get some time, you know, partly because of what he did against Louisville, and partly because he's, you know, he's he's shown a readiness to be able to help. The one thing he hasn't done that I thought maybe him getting more time would do is give Trey a couple breaks on the floor to be able to see the game, and maybe that's still coming. I don't know, especially with RJ able to run the point a little bit. But I think you're right. I think the guys who are going to play, I think that's set. I I think what we see change a bit is maybe the sub patterns. I think who gets subbed out and when they get subbed out is going to change a little bit, and that's that's a big factor because now we're seeing – when Zion comes back, we're seeing certain things. We're seeing that you know certain certain guys can't coexist on the floor together, and I I think that's why this stretch was so important for K to see some things with Zion out, because because now you see that you know Zion can play with just about anybody on the floor. That's 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 a given. But then you know, out, outside of RJ, you know Cam, it it can't be Cam and Trey on the floor together with Zion and RJ out. That can't happen. It can't be. You know, Quees K- can't be on the bench with Jack and Javin in the game at the same time, really anymore. I, I don't. I think that that experiment is done when Zion comes back because yeah. there's just we're, you're playing you're playing two on five really on offense because Trey is just it, it's so hard for him to get shots w- within the offense right now and make those shots. He's getting shots. It's just he's he's not hitting right now. It's you know the, it's obviously a little overwhelming at the moment, but but the the Jack and Javin experiment same time on the floor is done. I believe. And and maybe that's what Joey offers. Maybe maybe Joey is is one of those two in that sub pattern. Maybe he's maybe that's his you know his ultimate lot in life for this particular team coming up to to be able to to at least stretch the floor out so that our drivers can have some open lane a little bit. I think that's what's coming. And and maybe Alex O'Connell gets a few more shots out of what he's he's shown the team. The the real thing is there, just like Tech showed. Alex doesn't get shots if no one else can help pull his defender off of him a little bit. And that's, that's going to be key going down the stretch is, you know, having somebody else who can score on the interior or at least, you know, at at least show a a propensity to be able to drive and a willingness to drive and get inside and and start drawing defenders so that our shooters can have kickouts because that's the one thing Duke is not getting right now. And they got that at least in the beginning of the year, even though they weren't really knocking a lot of shots down. So I think that's what's changed with this rotation. I think I think the sub patterns and and who can play with who is being set. And it's a good thing to know. It's definitely a good thing to know in the tournament. You don't want to find out that Javin and Jack can't coexist in the Elite Eight against yep. a Kansas or somebody like that. So it's good to know it now. And and that's what's kind of keeping me, you know, not necessarily off the ledge, because I'm not off the ledge on this team. I know this team is the most talented team in the country and they can pull out whatever they need to pull out. But it's gonna make th- it's gonna make life a lot easier for them and for us as fans now being able to you know to understand who's gonna play with who.
0: Yeah, I actually like that idea of moving Trey you know to the bench for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody always immediately thinks to themselves, okay, well we should put Jordan Goldwire in there. You know, if you give Trey a couple minutes, no, that's right. actually the last thing you want to do because, yeah. you know, Trey right now is not providing any sort of Outside offense, he isn't hitting those mid-range shots that he was hitting earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Let him let him go off, you know, the court for a couple minutes, refresh his brain, get himself to go. Now let's talk about the rotation. Now with R J running the point, you know, and we can kind of make this a, a couple of different ways. But let's say we have, you know, R J running the point, Pam and Alex on the wings, mm-hmm. and then you either have Jack White or Joey Baker out there, who at some point Jack's gonna shoot. Well, he's gonna he's gonna knock down a shot. I have faith in the Lord. and then having Bolden kind of roam that five spot because that will be the first time all year where you at least have four guys that are somewhat capable of hitting the outside three on the point at once with only one uh, inside guy. You, yeah. know, you, wanna, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to switch out Joey and Jack or, or however. But I, I think you're right. I wouldn't have Jack and and Jabin in at the same time. I don't think that that works anymore. I understand what Kay was doing last night with Javin and Chris being in there at the same time, even though I didn't like it. Right. Because I think that that's just congesting too much, and RNG has no room to go there. So I like this lineup here. While Zion is out, RNG at the one, Cam, Alex on the wings, Jilly Baker. Kind of in that corner, uh, and Bolden man in the five.
1: Yeah, Joey, Joey's gonna have to play with a Bolden, I believe, just because defensively he's gonna he's he's gonna be a liability on defense at times, depending on who they switch him on. Because teams are gonna be once he hits the floor, teams are gonna be searching to switch him out. Yeah. So you know, does does that change how the team switches even on defense? I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna change or not when certain guys are on the floor, but, you know, Kay's, Kay's kind of famous and the other coaches are famous for you know, playing the game and, and four or five minute segments. And I think that's what we'll see with some of these lineups coming up, especially the one you mentioned where RJ's on the floor, Tyus is off and you have, right. you have maybe Cam and Alex, and then a Kwees, and maybe Queese and Javin or Queese and Joey or whoever's there. And I think it's going to be dependent on what the team needs at the time, but you know, this team with a lead, you'll probably see maybe a quiz a and a Javin like you did against tech strictly for defense strictly because you got guys who can give fouls and you also have, you know, at, at least a couple of guys who are capable shot blockers or shot defenders in the, in the lane. So that we'll see a little bit of that gamesmanship out of K and, you know, I've seen the complaint about, you know, why is K just sitting there on the bench, not coaching the team or anything. You know, it's stupid. He's, 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 he's quite honestly, he's, He's observing. Is he coaching the team? Sure, he's coaching the team. But you know, he's he's never been. He's gonna stand on the sideline and yell out every single play to the guys. Like that's that's just not gonna happen. But what he is doing though is he's observing. He's he's seeing what's happening. He's observing what's going on, what his guys are doing, and what they're showing that they can do. And then he's gonna adjust it in practice. He's he is a practice coach. He is great in the practice setting. And, and he's great in the on a floor setting when he needs to coach he is great on the floor setting we know that about him nothing has changed with the age or anything else the game hasn't passed him by he's not too old like he knows what he's doing so you know trust this process and this team has come out of this stretch four and two you know we we have we we, you know, we have four losses on the season now that's that's great considering it's a freshman based team and i'm i'm excited for the future with this team especially with I, I think Kay is going to understand what his rotation is moving forward and he's going to know what he can do with it.
0: Yeah. Again, he's going to redesign it, and he's yep. in the midst of that right now. Yep. He's taking, sitting back, he's absorbing, he's taking inventory of what he has, and he's going to make a decision. And it's the final, the final painting isn't there yet. Yep. He he's not even sure, you know, what the canvas is going to look like. Right. So you know, you you don't just start throwing a bunch of paint on there and, and say, here it is. This is something that is in the works. It's going to take time. And if you don't like the process of the season, then you're missing out on the enjoyment of watching our team. You know, we don't have the entire year to watch our favorite team play. Exactly. We have it from mid-November till hopefully the first week of March. i actually excuse me, April. So, like, we don't have the whole year to do this. Yep. Like, you have to enjoy the ups. And the downs, like right. I understand that they're painful, but when you have a down, and you watch your team handle that adversity and overcome it, then that makes it even greater. You know, I would have been great with 2015 going undefeated, but some of the greatest moments are talking about that Louisville game that that team came back from in 2015, mm-hmm. and you know they they had some adversity, a couple losses in a row, had to go on the road against a top 10 team. Nobody expecting them to win. Coach K goes through his zone randomly and knocks out a win against Rick Patino. Yep. Let K do his thing here before we start casting stones about how he's the game's passed and by and how you know he doesn't know how to develop anybody and you know he doesn't know how to work the offense with this team and has to get this by more shot. Just stop. Let yep. him do it. Let's see what the rotation he comes up with. And next, let's talk about our prediction for the next two games. Next play. We have Miami on Saturday at 4 p.m. That's going to be interesting. Back at home, have a couple of days off. We're not traveling. Uh, I like the 4 o'clock start time. Tell us a little bit about Miami and what to expect from, from, from them.
1: Yeah, they're, they are what they are. They are a hard-playing team. But they only have a rotation of about six guys. They right. they have they throw a seventh in there, but you know, it, you know, Ding Gak is not really gonna add anything to this team and neither is Anthony Mack. But, you know, they they just had they had an unfortunate loss of um Dewan Hernandez based on you know his involvement with the scandal going on in college basketball and everything. So they lost him. He's he's a key player for them, a guy they expected to have. They weren't going to be an NCAA team by any stretch of the imagination, but they at least were thought to be a tough team with, you know, Larry Negan. They are, they're tough for a half, but when you have five guys that you're relying on for a whole game, they fade so hard at, at after halftime, you saw it against Wake Forest last night, they were up big against Wake and then, you know, 15 minutes left in the game and they just fell hard against them and Wake ended up coming away with a, a pretty big win for them. But so, so at home, Duke should should handle business against Miami. Yeah, I think it will be a more interesting game than expected early, because you know Miami's five guys that they play all can score. They all can help stretch the floor, and Chris Likes just steps up in the moment so big. So I think the first half you'll see them hanging tough, but I think second half you'll see Duke pull away. What I hope to see with you know that first half with Miami hanging tough a little bit is I just I just hope to see Duke's execution. You know, taking an upward swing than what we've seen the past few games, like execution on offense hasn't been great, even even despite missed shots, you know the, the shots that Duke have been getting in the first half of games current recently they've been difficult shots. everything's been so difficult so i I would like to see Duke able to get some easier shots against miami in and that first half and then second half obviously as well, but i I think you'll see him pull out in the second half i I just want to see a good start to the first half, so let's go. Let's go Duke 85, Miami 60.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a close first half. And I think you're going to see Tate try a line different lineups and see what, what clicks. And then in the second half, I think you see us come out, pressure them early, try to knock them out. You know, like you said, they don't have a whole lot of depth. So we're going to try to use our depth to mm-hmm. wear them down. I got Duke in this one 89 to 68. And then, and then it's Tuesday night. And it's going to be the last time in Cameron for this team. It's the last time you're going to see uh, R. J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish for sure in a Duke uniform at home. I think that R. J. and Zion. I do think Zion will play on Tuesday. I think they'd like to get him one more get, get him one game in uh, in front of Cameron before going to uh, North Carolina. That'll be uh, nearly two weeks since his, since his injury. So I, I, like, I like Duke in this one. We've already handled way before. You know, Danny Manning, bless his heart, he, he's got nothing to work with there. Jimmy Duke big in this one, 92 to 65.
1: Yeah, that, if Zion plays, that scores right and yeah. we've talked about it so much that we think we think he should play but isn't that's it isn't it such a, a k thing for zion not to play that game especially if something hasn't been ironed out that k wants to see yet so i i am i have two scores in mind for wake i have i have the with zion score and i have the without zion score the with zion score 95 to 65 without zion i think it's closer to like 80 85 probably close to what the miami score is going to end up being about 85 to, to sixty again kind of going with that that kind of 25 point win there i i just i, w- I would like to see zion one more time in a duke uniform and cameron cameron and i think everyone would but again if if the team's not where kate wants them to be without him or whatever whatever else is going on behind closed doors there i i, I could really i could very easily see zion not playing that game sp- almost specifically because that's the game everybody thinks he's going to come back so we'll see we'll see if that's when he comes back I i think it is and Based on the injury, it probably should be because you want to get him back sooner than later and you don't want his first action to be in the ACC tournament where you have three games in a row. So I, I, it would be nice to see him back that game.
0: Yep. I think we're on the same page. I'm not going to put down a score without him. I, I'm going to have that positivity that he's going to come back. So let's let's get ourselves going here. And I'm talking to Duke Nation right now. Pick yourself up. It's going to mm-hmm. be Okay. We're going to be fine. Got to to do with the bad. Nobody said it was going to be easy when we were going to start this process. But we're still here. We're going to get two wins. And then we're going to go back to Chapel Hill. And we'll be right there for you. Go Duke.
1: Let's go Duke.